back. But let's give a very big, warm Calvary Chapel welcome to Brother and Sister Payne today. Praise the Lord, church. What a wonderful spirit of worship that is here today. It is awesome when we come together to lift up his name as one body to worship him. It is, it is so wonderful. You may be seated. I just want to take a, a moment before my wife sings and just give thanks to Bishop and Sister Downs. What wonderful hosts they have been. We have enjoyed our time. Had a great time in, in their home and visiting with them, getting to know them more. And Pastor Jonathan and Sister Melanie, uh, we're just so grateful, thankful that you have had us come and be a part of your wonderful congregation, your church. And we are just, we're so thankful and so blessed to be here with you folks. And the leadership team, everyone has just done a magnificent job, sound team, uh, media team. We just, we wanna give thanks and give honor to you because you are wonderful. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to, uh, I think Laura's going to sing and then we will deliver the word this morning. I worship you Almighty God There is none like you I worship you
lift our hands across the room together as the body of Christ. just worship him a moment more hallelujah his presence is in this room right now he's come to minister to you today he's come to touch you where you are today hallelujah hallelujah Jesus we praise you today no matter the circumstances God no matter the situations you alone are worthy you're worthy God to receive glory to receive honor to receive our praise Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't it feel wonderful in here right now? Amen. Amen. Doesn't matter what you've come with today. It doesn't matter the situations you woke up with this morning. We know that there is a God who can touch you where you are at. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to speak today, you may be seated, we want to speak today about something that for me is just so near and dear to my heart as someone who's served as a worship pastor and um, who teaches and trains young worshipers and young worship leaders. But we want to talk about, to the whole body today, the power of a worshiping church. And I know that there are many, many different um, people at different places in their journey. Some of you have been faithful, faithful servants of the Lord and served this church for many years. And um, others of you, you're new and this is, this is a new journey for you and you're discovering what it means to be a worshiper. But I, I really believe that what we're gonna talk about today has 
impact and meaning for every one of us, no matter what stage of our journey we're on, because it's always good to be reminded what it is, first of all, to be a worshiper, and then what the Lord's purpose is for us worshiping together as the church body. And so we want to talk about that today. Sometimes we use the words praise and worship together. And, and certainly there's some overlap with, with praise and worship, but we want to talk a little bit here at the beginning about some differences with praise and worship. Praise is a declarative type of, of, of um, talk to the Lord because we are declaring his attributes. We're declaring who he is. There's, a, there's an authoritative nature there that we are giving him glory and honor, talking about how good he is, how wonderful he is, how strong he is in our life, and how great the Lord is to us. And praise is really tied to, to us learning more and knowing more about who God is. You know, if you don't know someone, if they're a stranger and you just meet them on the street, you don't really have many good things to say about them because you simply don't know. You don't know if they're kind or gentle or funny or warm and outgoing. You don't know that of a stranger. Well, if you want to be able to praise God and declare his attributes, you have to get to know a little bit about who God is, amen? So, you know, if we want to be better praisers, we've got to give ourselves the language of praise. So we've got to read the Bible and study and find out that God is faithful. God yes. is a healer. God is a, a strong tower. God is my refuge. Well, when you learn the language of praise, it makes it a lot easier to come to church. And when the pastor says, let's praise the Lord together, you have the language of praise already on your tongue. But that takes, mm -hmm. that takes using your mind, and, and praise really is tied to a mental understanding of who God is. And when we worship the Lord, we really open up our hearts and we apply God's attributes to ourselves. You apply them to you. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. And we're, giving, we're having a gratefulness that he is those things, and we apply them. How can we be like you? How can we be like you? And so we were thankful for what he has done in our lives. So when we're, when we're worshiping, it's almost like we take something we know about God, so we know him to be faithful. Well, that's a fact. That's mm -hmm. a statement, right? That's a praise. We know you to be faithful, God, but I need your faithfulness in my life and I worship you, I say that your faithfulness is, is worthy of me, my commentary. It's, it's worth something to me. That's what worship is. It's the worship of God. It comes from an old English word, right? That God is worthy. Well, it has value to you. It's not just a fact. It's not just a statement. God is good. Well, he's good to me. I crave his goodness. I need his goodness. I acknowledge his goodness in my life. That's really the difference between praise and worship. Praise declarative. Worship is assigning the worth of that attribute of God to your life and to your story. There's a verse in the Bible that we often quote in church, and it says that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and truth is kind of that declarative, right? We're declaring the word of God. And, and the spirit side oftentimes kind of taps into our emotion. Right. It taps into to who we are. Emotions aren't all bad. No. 
Sometimes they can lead us astray if we're not careful, but emotions are good, and God comes in and he uses our emotions. He, he really uses both sides of those. In, in counseling, there's a theory called dialectical behavioral therapy. Wow. That's a mouthful. You sound really smart right now, dude. I have no idea what dialectical means. <laughs> anyway, no. <laughs> but there's, but there's a, a concept there that talks about wise mind, and it takes these two components. I think it really correlates with the Scripture. Yeah, it says yeah. that we are to uh, have a rational mind and an emotional mind. When we, when we work out of a rational mind, those are the cognitions. Those are what we think about, how we, we make decisions on a rational basis. We've read the Word of God. We know that the principles of God work when we follow them and apply them. But if we, if we follow those principles, but we're, we're kind of you know, dry and, and we have no, no emotion, then that's not a good representation or full representation of what God is wanting us to do. Right. Because there's a side of emotional mind where we, you know, sometimes we have to check how we're feeling. We may have to, you know, we put the dipstick in the car and check the oil. Sometimes we have to do that in our lives. How am I doing right now? Right. And, and when we find out how we're doing, then we can, uh, we can know a little bit more about how to combine rational mind and emotional mind. If we work only out of emotions, we might go astray doctrinally. Yeah. Right? We, might, we might follow a church because, boy, they've got lights and they've got fun and they've got this and they've got all these, these things that attract us, but we're leaving behind the word. And we're sacrificing the word for, for hype. And sometimes when we talk about emotions, hype is, uh, it could be an unhealthy emotion. Now, to be exuberant in the presence of God with an, uh, with an authentic word foundation, now that can be powerful. Then we can express ourselves in such a way that there's a foundation to it. You know, they, sometimes people say it doesn't matter how high you jump, as long as when you land, you hit the ground running straight. Right, right. Right? We have to have the word as a foundation in our life. And I, I love it that the scripture teaches us this, that we worship in spirit and in truth, because it means that there's room for those two sides of our nature. There's room to be logical and to understand the word of God and to study and know who God is, but there is room and we are invited to worship in the heart, the spirit of the matter, which is that linking of our emotions. You know, sometimes, um, and you can bring the next slide up, because worship is often tied to emotion, right? We often think that, oh, if you're, a, if you're an exuberant worshiper, you're an, you're an emotional person. So sometimes we say, oh, worship is very emotional. But it's possible, yes, to, to worship out of emotion and not engage our minds. Mm. Right? So we're just like, oh, I just love Jesus. You know, it's like all emotion. And really what we're lost in is we're not lost in God. We're not really engaging God. We're actually just kind of having an emotional outburst, you know, like, like Sunday becomes kind of our emotional release of the week. Well, God did design us with emotions, right, right. but he doesn't want us to only worship out of emotion because he doesn't want us to be inconsistent and unstable. So I think God calls us mm -hmm. to worship in spirit and in truth. And it's the pairing of that that makes us a mature disciple. 
right? It's the words of Jesus that said, worship, I'm desiring worshipers that worship me in spirit and in truth. And I think for each one of us in this room, we have to do some self-reflection, okay? Do I tend to be really emotional? and I don't really study and know who God is. I, I just worship out of my emotions. So some days I'm really worshiping because I feel so emotional, and other days I just sit back and fold my arms. Or are we very logical and we struggle to give God our emotions, right? We have to know who we are. Mm -hmm. And each one of us, we're unique creatures. So we have to figure ourselves out and come back to the principle that God is seeking worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. So we know that there are many physical acts of worship, right? We know that there are acts of worship that we can perform, or, or not perform, but do in the presence of God. Scripture talks about these. In fact, in the Old Testament, there are a couple of words um, that translate as worship, both in Greek and in Hebrew, and they contain ideas of bodily movement. So there's actually a, 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 a scripture about movement when we're worshiping him, not just with our mouth, but with our body. These words are, um, I'm going to try to pronounce He's these. You go for it, go for it. So the, the, the I, don't doubt, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly. But you knew Greek, so it's He's the Hawa in the Old Testament has to do with the act of bowing down and then proskinin, right, in Greek has to go. do also with this act of bending at the waist and bowing down. Mm. So this is the thing, if, if you speak Hebrew or if you speak Greek, when you hear those words, your mind automatically sees an action. It's not just like, oh, I worship. So here I am, look at me worship. And nothing's happening. But in the original language, there's an action associated with the word. So if you know the language and you say, I'm going to worship, and you say these words, there's this action happening. And we see this in several New Testament scriptures. Several scriptures talk about it. First uh, Corinthians 14, 24 through 26 says the, the proper kind of teaching will result in people understanding their inner being and being convinced they need to change and worship the true God by falling upon their face before him. And then in Psalms 95 and 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the, uh, before the Lord, our maker. It's interesting because the, the writer almost has to, when, when it's translated in English, we have to say, let's worship and bow down. Hmm. They have to add the action to it. But in the original language, it's just let's worship. And, and wow. those reading in the Old Testament understood that worship includes the act of bowing down. It, they come together as one word. But in English, because we don't have that visual association, we have to say, let's worship and bow down. Mm -hmm. Really, it's one word. Let's worship, which includes the action of bowing down. And then this verse in Romans 14 and 11 says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So really, this is using our entire body. We're bowing down and with our tongue. Our tongue is moving. Our whole body is engaged in confessing to the Lord, to worshiping the Lord. It, it really involves all of our being when we are worshiping him.
And I think that it's important we say this because sometimes we, there are those among us who say, well, I'm worshiping, but it's like an internal thing happening in my brain, like I'm worshiping. And there's nothing, there's, there's no motion with it. And so the reason we present this is so that we all get comfortable with the fact that worship was meant to be a physical activity, not just an action of our mind, not just our brain thinking about God and thinking happy thoughts about God, right? So we are worshiping. And there's many, many physical ways that we worship. So we can pull up the next slide. Shows a lot of different ways we can praise and worship the Lord. And I think it's wonderful that there are all of these many ways. Some, some of us may experience all of these in, in a lifetime. Um, but you know, God sometimes works with our personalities as well. And there may be a few of those that are kind of our go-to, right? This is, this is how I worship the Lord. I bow down. This is how I worship the Lord. I dance before the Lord. Uh, I saw many different form, forms of worship today. Many of you were lifting your hands and worshiping him. Some of you were dancing in the presence of the Lord. And some of you were, were clapping. Many of you were clapping unto the Lord. And these are all ways that we express physically that we are worshiping and we love our creator and our savior. You know, you might, you might think, well, I'm reading this list and a lot of them, you know, yes, I agree, but there's a few on there that surprised me. Did you know that you can actually work for the Lord as an act of worship? Right, mm. you, can, you can do something for God and say, Lord, I'm gonna engage in this activity and I do it as an act of worship unto you. Right? I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not doing it just because I want physical exercise. You know, I, I know some churches have individuals who come and they, they treat the landscaping. They work on the landscaping and they do it as an act of worship unto the Lord. And you understand this is more than just a job to them, but it's an act of worship. And then things... We spoke yesterday in our, our marriage conference about families actually being a ministry that when you are taking care of children, sometimes people will think as, as they, they have kids come into the home and, and their life changes and they don't have time to spend you know, praying at night and doing their devotions as long as they used to because they have a crying child that needs changing or needs feeding. But actually that act of, of raising your family can also be ministry because you are ministering to them. You're raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're taking care of their physical needs so you are indeed ministering to them. Now, you still need to find five or 10 minutes of devotion, but uh, this is also ministry and it's a different season of life. Absolutely. And so let's look at just some of the scripture that support all these different actions of worship. All right. So first of all, lifting our hands is biblical. Okay. If you've been in this church just a few times and you're looking around, you're thinking, wow, these people are lifting their hands. Why are they doing that? Well, there's many, many scriptures. These are just a few that give a command to God's people to lift our hands. So if you want to read a few of those. Psalms 14.2 says, Accept my prayer as licensed offering, incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Psalm 63, 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will yes. lift up my hands in your name. Yes. And lamentations, we lift up our heart 
and hands towards God in heaven. Can we just do that for a moment? Can we just lift up Thank our hands, you, Lord? Lord? Hallelujah. We Lord, exalt we worship you in your presence, you. God. Ourselves to yes, you, God. Lord. In the name of our Jesus. hands are an act of Hallelujah. worship to you, God. Thank we you, lift Lord. you up. We praise Thank you, you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We engage you in this room today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, We worship you today, Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Hallelujah. Jesus. Oftentimes we think of raising our hands as surrender, yeah. right? We're surrendering our will to God. As someone comes in and, and, um, and tells you at the gas station they want all your money and, you know, they point a gun at you, you raise your hand and surrender. I give up. And so when we do this, we are surrendering right. our life to him. We're giving ourselves to him. I'm fully yours, Lord. Yes. With open hands, I, I come to you. Absolutely. Beautiful. And another thing the Bible teaches us to do is to dance before the Lord. You know, it's not, um, just, a, it's not just a personality thing. I think some of us feel more comfortable, you know, sort of expressing our worship in that way. But it's very, very biblical. Look mm -hmm. at Psalm 149.3. Let them praise his name with dancing. In other words, don't hinder. Don't shut a friend down. Don't criticize. Don't judge. Amen? Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre, which are instruments. So it's interesting that the words for dancing in both the Old and the New Testament are almost always seen in a positive light. Dancing is connected to rejoicing. The only times the Bible speaks negatively about dancing is when people are worshiping someone other than God. Right, so we're we're giving the you know, we're dancing to an idol or dancing to something else, or when it leads uh, to a negative consequence, such as ser uh, the serving of John the Baptist's head on a platter when when they they brought that to um, uh, to the the king, and so we we know that it is a positive thing to worship him. There can be. Uh, a negative connotation if we are, are doing it and we're not really doing it unto the Lord. Right. When we're, maybe we, we're just kind of doing it on, on our own volition and there can be sensuality that is tied to dancing. And, and so we have to be careful that our dance is not sensual. But we have to make sure that we are worshiping him and freely moving to his presence. And I think there's something beautiful when the presence of God is in the room and individuals express their, their love for God and they express and, and they, they dance in their own unique, beautiful way. There's, you know what that speaks to me? It speaks of freedom in the presence of God. And we want that freedom and liberty in the house of God. We don't want to shut it down. We want to say, let the people dance before the Lord. Let them yes. dance before God. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. All right. Clapping is another form of worship. Scripture says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout yes. unto God yes. with a voice of triumph. Yes. So using our hands and our voice to worship him, clapping of our hands. What I think is really interesting about this scripture is that it pairs two things together. It says, clap your hands and shout. Now, I think it's possible that clapping becomes a substitute for mm. praise. Have you ever like felt that, that cl clapping is kind of mindless? Like it's kind of the easiest thing becomes to do. Becomes a habit. Becomes a habit, yes. Because we do it so often, we do it in all different formats. We, we might be at our jobs and we have a presentation and when the presenter is done speaking as an act of courtesy, 
we all clap, right? So clapping is very easy. It's interesting the scripture says clap and shout. Clap and shout with a voice of triumph. Because I think what the challenge is, is to keep our minds engaged mm -hmm. while we're clapping. Right? So that it's not just a clap, 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 and then, you know, nothing is happening. And we're sort of, you know, thinking about our dinner that we're going to, you know, go home and cook tonight. I'm clapping, I'm participating, but my mind is far from God. So I think clapping engages the body, which is good, but it has the potential to be mindless, right? So that's why I think the scripture says clap and shout with a voice of triumph because you engage your mind to put words. Why am I clapping? God, you're faithful. God, you're good. You are mighty. You are powerful. The combination of the two is, is a very powerful combination. Amen? Amen. So don't clap mindlessly, church. All right? Don't clap mindlessly. Singing is a part of our worship. We can find our worship in singing. The Bible says to sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Isn't that awesome that it says with singing we're proclaiming? In fact, Dr. Seagray several years ago in, in a message was pointing out that the word proclaim in uh, the, the Greek language and uh, actually talks about the, it's the same as the word for singing. So when we're preaching, we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming the word of truth. But when it talks about singing and it talks about, uses the word proclaim, it's saying that we are proclaiming the truth of the word of God. So there's a power in singing because we are proclaiming the word of God over ourselves and over our, the congregation. And there's something so powerful about a song because our, our brain, so not, not to be too, too uh, scientific or nerdy for a moment, but when you sing, you engage a different part of your brain than when you just speak. So the act of putting a tune to the goodness of God, right? If I just said, now, I, folks, I want you to memorize these words. All my life you have been faithful. We're like, all my life. All my life, you have been so good. All my life, you've been so good. I used to love With that. every breath, uh, you know, I will sing of the goodness of God. With every breath, I will sing. Chances are you would walk away today and never remember those words. You wouldn't, okay? But the fact that you sing them, all my life, you have been faithful. Each one of you who have been part of this congregation and probably sung that song a time or two, you know those words in your spirit because singing is a powerful memory tool. And that's why God commands his church to worship in singing because he knows how your brain is wired. He knows how your mind is built and, and that when you sing the truth of who God is, it's gonna get stuck in here in a way that it won't get stuck if you just talk about who God is. So singing is ordained by God. It is something that's a commandment. And look, look at Acts. Look at Acts. Read this scripture. This shows that the that singing is powerful. It has yes. power. About midnight, or, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to right. them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So the, the singing and worshiping God brought about power and deliverance. Yes. 
right? They were delivered from, I mean, literally, not just an emotional healing or a mental healing, which we need, but a physical opening the bars of the prison where they could walk out and be free. And so what a wonderful thing that we are doing by singing and unleashing the power of the Spirit of God in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just think everyone in the body, you need to have your your little list of deliverance songs. The songs that when you're just you're just really all bound up and all worried and and all stressed out, that that you can just go to those songs and sing them. And as you begin to sing them, something breaks in your spirit. Right? I you know, the, the Sister Nancy Grandquist, I know she's been here to Australia, and she she has this song she wrote years ago and it just says when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock and I you know those those little words I mean I know it's scripture thank God it's scripture but there are times I'm just all wrapped up in my own head and I'm just overwhelmed and I'm and and I'll just think when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock and something shifts in my spirit such a simple song. It's probably not on anybody else's list. But for me, the words of life in that song are a deliverance song for me. Just like Paul and Silas sang. That's one of my little songs that does something in my spirit. Yeah. yeah. It's important that physical worship does not draw attention to ourselves. Right? When, when we are worshiping the Lord, it is something that should be, it should just be this. It should be to Him alone. We're not, we're not doing it for someone else. Right? We're not doing it for a show. We're not on the stage and, and presenting something that I want you to look at me. I want you to notice how well I sing. I don't know if you've noticed today, but she's done all the singing. You haven't heard me. Now, I'll sing corporately. And, I'll, and I usually sound like the person next to me. So if you're a good singer, I'm a good singer. If you're not as good, I'll be just like you. <laughs> but it does say make a joyful noise. So I'm, I'm there. And then it says play skillfully. So those of you who have skill, you know, the Bible has something for everyone. But we're to do it for him. And then it doesn't matter how skillful you may be. You're just obeying scripture. You're just, we, we were created to worship him. So we, we can do that when we're here. We can do it when we're home by ourselves. No one's watching there. I want to dance. Oh, here I'm going to sing. Oh, I shouldn't do it. Because <laughs> it doesn't sound good when you just say, you know, in monotone. Um, I want to dance like nobody's watching, right? I want to worship like nobody's watching except for him. He's observing and he's watching, but I don't care what is going on around me. You know, Scripture doesn't tell us to close our eyes, but a lot of times we close our eyes to tune out the distractions, right? To tune out, okay, who's watching me? Who's, who's looking at me? Who's taking pictures of me? I am just going to worship him. I am just going to look up to him and magnify him because he is good. Amen. Amen. So we've talked about all these physical acts of worship, but they are meant to be something that we do together as the body. 
And so we want to talk about why do we, collectively, why do we need to be a worshiping church? There's a reason that worship is a, a character, a quality, an important quality of the local church. It's not just your quality. It's not just who you are, but it should be who we are. Amen? Who we are collectively as, as this local church here in Canberra, we should be a worshiping church. Because worship creates unity, right? When we come together and we are in one accord, right. we're not thinking about the things of our week, maybe the stress that we've had or right. lack of sleep that we've had because we've been on a missions journey and traveling. And, and, and so there's, there's a lot of things that can challenge our minds, but, but worship together brings us into a spirit of unity. We're all doing the same thing, going the same direction. As they sometimes say, all of our ducks are in a row, right? We've, we We've got everything. We're, we're focused on him together. And there's a power that comes when we worship together in unity. You know, in, in a room of this size, there's many individuals from many distinct backgrounds and many different opinions that live in this room. And, and we are all uniquely made by God. But do you know what worship does? Worship unites us for a single moment we are all doing the same thing. And we're all thinking the same way, which is to think of God. And that is so powerful because the, the nature, our nature is to be divided. Our nature is to be distinct and be unique. And well, I'm from this background and you're from that background and I feel this way and you feel that way. But when we simply eyes on one God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, a spirit of unity comes in the room. And there's something so powerful about being united. Amen? Amen. So for one more moment, can you just, everyone in this room, just begin to exalt God and feel the spirit of unity that comes into the room. Lord, we all stand amazed, God, at your power. We stand amazed, Lord, at your goodness. God, we engage you, Lord. We lay aside every other thought. We lay aside every other opinion, Lord. The most important opinion in the room is your greatness. Uh, and your goodness hallelujah. is here, God, and Thank we exalt you. you. We you, worship Jesus. you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Worship ushers in the power of God. When we worship, just like Paul and Silas, great things can happen when we worship. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were in a service, and, and, and before the service, we just felt like there was a spirit of healing that just came in to the church during that moment. In fact, the pastor leaned over, and, and he said, yeah, I, I feel this presence. We felt it also in that room that in that moment, it was during the worship service. We'd not gotten up to speak yet, but during the worship service, Sometimes we, you know, I don't know if you've heard this before, may have made this comment, um, you know, boy, we're, we're so glad that we're coming to the main part of the service, the preaching of the word. You know, we, we kind of, almost as if we wanted to get through the worship service, like put that behind us. But there's such power of proclaiming and, and the, the word that comes during that worship service, God can do mighty things during the worship service. 
and he can usher in his power, and that spirit of, uh, of healing and giving to the Lord can come during those times. Absolutely, and your worship, when you contribute to that, you are making the room a sanctuary for God's power to step in and dwell and change lives, and that is so important that we don't just hear the word, but that we are doers of the word, amen? That we are, we are doing what the word says. We're worshiping, we're exalting, we're lifting our hands because God responds in that moment. And worship and praise are also a weapon of spiritual warfare. Now, you know, we, don't, we may not want to, you know, always remind ourselves that we're at war you know we don't want to just live all the time i'm at war with the devil you know or whatever but at the it's we still look for a devil under every rock we'll find we'll find one we will rock. this is true but we are we are at war right. right with things we don't see in the natural and what happens instead of us having to just sit around and think well what am i fighting against your praise when you exalt god when you exalt God, it is as if you release a weapon of spiritual warfare and you don't even have to sit and think about what am I fighting against? Your praise is a weapon against the things attacking you, amen? Yes. It's like God just shows up and he begins to do the work and you think, well, I don't even know what that was all about, but in my praising of God, something changed in the atmosphere. Something shifted around me and I was just simply praising God and declaring his goodness. Now, unfortunately, there can be hindrances to our worship. And one of those hindrances is that we can be judgmental of one another. We can look around the room and, and maybe, maybe we see someone worshiping in a way that's you know, uncomfortable to us. We don't like the way that they're worshiping. And so we, we criticize that and we, we bring a spirit of criticism into the room. Or, or maybe we see someone worshiping and, and, and we know their life. <laughs> and we're thinking, wow, you know, they really should be repenting instead of worshiping. Right? We're, we're, we're trying, you know, we're, we're, we're not supposed to be judgmental. I, scripture does say we're to be fruit inspectors, but, but maybe not in the middle of church. We're to be worshiping him and not keeping our, our eyes on someone else or that spirit of criticism will come in and it will steal your worship. Right. Because then we're focused on someone else and we're not focused on what we're doing with our own worship to God. And we live in such a culture today where so many things... Um, we, we filter what's happening around us through the lens of, well, how, how could I put this on social media? Or how, you know, we almost all become little cameramen, right, in, in the worship service. And I, I really think that, that that hinders the move and the flow of the Holy Ghost. Because we're not meant to come to church and have participants and then the audience or the judges. We are all worshiping an audience of one. Amen? Right? So we, we can't think, oh, wow, this is a really cool moment. You know, let, let, me, let me just kind of sit back and evaluate what that person is doing in their worship. That is a hindrance to the entire body of Christ becoming a worshiping culture. Amen? If we remove ourselves and we don't worship and we think that it's okay to kind of sit back, we are hindering the flow of unity in the body of Christ. You know, if worship is not corporate, corporate means we are all participating. We 
lose something if it's not a corporate activity. Worship is not a spectator sport, right? right? It is a participatory, participatory sport. Yes. We are to actively engage in worship and not watch others worship. Right. You know, when the day of Pentecost came, it says they were all, they were all in one mind and one accord. They, there were no spectators at the day of Pentecost. Every person in the room, every person was engaging in what God was doing. And that's how worship is meant to be. We don't want to be a hindrance to worship. Another hindrance to our worship culture is that we can be insecure in our worship. Okay, maybe, maybe we have observed others and we think, oh, they really are a worshiper. But I don't have that. That's a gift that they have. That, that's not for me. Or, or we, we're, we're self-conscious. If we're already self-conscious a little bit in our physical bodies, maybe we have some things that we don't like about ourselves, we're concerned about who we are. First of all, what's happening is we're insecure with our own relationship with God. And if we're insecure with our relationship with him, that's going to hinder our worship. That's going to hinder how we express ourselves to him because we're, we're, you know, in our private moments, maybe we're not as confident in our relationship. Maybe we are confident in our relationship, but we just don't want to express it at church. And so we have to kind of push through that. And I think what we need to do is ask the Lord to help us. Maybe, maybe it's something that, okay, you know what? I really can't do a lot of these things on my own. But God, give me the inspiration. Give me the ability. I will, I'll do my best. I'll, I'll put some effort to it. But God, help me with this. And I think we can pray that prayer. God, help me to not be insecure. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't want to be ashamed of who you are. I want to freely be able to lift my voice and give you praise even through my insecurities. Amen. Because sometimes our insecurity, you know, our brothers and sisters who know us well, they understand, although they're a little more shy, you know, that's kind of their personality. But for the brand new men and women and children and young people that step into our church, they're looking around to see what the protocols are. How does this body of Christ exalt the Lord? And if all they see is, you know, 98% insecurity, they're going to think, okay, well, this is a lovely church and I feel God, but I'm just going to kind of be like everyone else here and I'm going to, you know, just kind of keep myself contained. And what happens is we breed insecurity, right? Those that are mature in Christ, if we're insecure, we breed insecurity to the new babies in the Lord. And we just become this environment where no one is really comfortable lifting up God freely, right? And, and then because of that, then no one's receiving because we're not freely giving in our worship to God. So insecurity can be a hindrance to the, to the move of God's presence in the church. Um, another hindrance to worship culture is just a lack of reverence for the house of God. You know, in this day and age, um, we, we, we come and there's, you know, we, sometimes we see the church building as, as a place where we do a lot of other things besides worship, right? We come and, you know, the kids get used to playing and, you know, some churches, the kids have to be continually taught, don't get, you know, don't get on the platform, like show respect for the house of God. And I, I think that we have to create a culture where when, when the songs begin 
and the voice of our ministers begin to speak that there's a sense of reverence for what's happening because we want to reverence the house of God and, and worship is a way that we reverence him. Another thing that can hinder our worship is letting musical preference dictate your choice to praise. Wow. Ooh, boy. I know, I hit a nerve, didn't we? Oof. You know, oftentimes when we maybe are riding in the car, we'll turn, maybe you'll turn the radio on, plug your phone in, play your, your playlist. We often go back to music from our past. Right, we go back to a time where, oh, I remember when. Maybe you were dating your wife and there was a love song that just, you know, it just, man, it just clicked and you hear that and you're like, oh, it brings me back to a time. Music can be nostalgic. And, and so oftentimes, generationally, we'll say these kind of things. Oh, music today just isn't what it used to be. Mm. I just, I can't get into this new kind of music. I'm not even going to name any kinds. I'm just going to, you know, you know which ones you like, which ones you don't like. Right. Worship is not dictated by what you like. Right. It doesn't matter really what you like or don't like. We are still to worship God. So can we worship him to an old hymn? Can we, I'm naming them now. Can we worship him to a gospel song? Can we, can we worship him no matter what is being played? And I think it's important for a, a church to play different kinds of music for different folks. But really, it's not about the style of music. It's just about when the music is played or when it's not played, we can still worship him. We've got to push through that sometimes because otherwise it'll be a hindrance. Otherwise we're sitting out there and we're folding our arms and we're like, well, they just never sing my songs. Right, right. <laughs> Boy, they just, they're just catering to the youth. Right, right. Oh, they just, they, you know, they just play to the older, elder, oh, sorry, elder congregation. <laughs> you know, they just, they're not thinking about me. And guess what? Maybe they're not. Maybe we're thinking about, really about worshiping him and how can we, we usher in the presence of God through, our, through music. And I, you know, I, I believe that, that we can pick a variety and we can do our best, but at the end of the day, as members of the congregation, as worshipers in the room, it's our responsibility to find the truth of God and who he is in every song that is sung yeah. and yeah. to exalt God and shut out the preference button of this is my favorite, this is not my favorite, to just acknowledge, wow, I hear words that are exalting God and I can always get behind that, amen? Every song sung here today was a song that exalted who God is. Every single one of them declared his truth and his goodness and his faithfulness over this room. And that's something I can get behind. Amen? So music isn't about my preference. It's about giving myself to the message of the songs. I, I have been so blessed, and not, not to draw attention to anyone, but I'm going to draw attention to someone. I just love watching Brother Othon worship. I'm telling you, that touches my heart. It touches my heart. Why? Because I see a worshiper that doesn't worship because of the song choice, doesn't worship because it's his favorite. I don't even know if he likes any of the songs we've sung in the past two weeks. 
<laughs> you know what his spirit says? I stand in worship behind everything that's being declared right now. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And if there's an example to follow in this church, young adults, young married couples, follow the worship example that's being set before you. And think, how can I be a worshiper like that? It's beautiful. And it's even scripture gives credence to, I think, all styles because it talks about about following the old paths. But then it also says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Every old song was a brand new song at one time, right? It was brand new, it was fresh. As long as, and this is really the main point, it doesn't matter what the style of music is, it matters what the message is. What is the message? Is that following, is it grounded in truth, right? Spirit and truth. It's good to have some good music, good spirit, but having truth, that's the foundation. We want to invite the worship team to come up as we draw to a close. But, you know, um, I, I think this key that, that Brother Payne just said is the key to becoming a worshiper. And that is not just to engage the emotion of the moment, but to be asking yourself, what is this song saying about who God is? How am I mindful of God during this song? I, I might be looking at the screen and seeing new words. Maybe it's a brand new song and, and I'm seeing something up there that's brand new. And the tune might be new to me, but the message of who God is is not new to my spirit. And if I can engage my mind and say, Lord, I am singing these new words that I've never sung in this combination before, but I'm singing to a God that I know. And I'm lifting my hands up to a God that has proven himself time and time again. Something will shift in your spirit and you will find that worship service becomes this incredible place of connecting to who God is and feeling his power and feeling his authority over your life because you have chosen, you have chosen to worship not just in the spirit of the matter, but in the truth of who God is. And when that happens, this church is unstoppable. This church is unstoppable. In the act of worship, brand new people will walk in the door and they will feel something and they will think, what have I found? What have I found? We want to put a final scripture on the screen and we want to invite all of as you we, to stand. And as we stand, I would like to do this. This is how I want to do this verse. We're going to read this verse together. And as we read it together, when we end, we're just going to obey it. That's how we're ending our service today. We're going to read the scripture, and then we're going to do what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name today. God, we worship you today. We magnify you for who you are. Hallelujah, you are great and you are awesome, Lord.